0: The Woodside Church podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Welcome, my name's Martin. Great to be with you this morning. I mean, you never quite know what Hudson's going to do, do you? Uh, he is, uh, I thought we were going to be there for half an hour. I thought, I thought this was worship part two, you know, it was, oh, he's wonderful. There's a guitar there, should we keep going? Uh, Hudson was here last week, wasn't it? Yes. Bought God's Word. I was over at the other side with the folks with great denim. Uh, I heard you had a great morning. I'm I'm sure sure you did. Okay, we're going to look at God's Word together. I just want to say a couple of things to begin with. The first one is Happy birthday to my mum. (laughs) Okay, we're moving on now, mummy. Okay. She just loves being the center of attention. where I get it from, you know. (laughs) Also, I want to say uh, just a comment. Yesterday, uh, we gathered our community group leaders. There are people that lead our small groups, uh, and we had an outstanding morning together. Almost everyone could make it. And uh, I just want to say publicly uh, a huge thank you to our our community group leaders and the coaches that support them, because they care for us as a church family. And we're so grateful for, for the work that they do and how they bless us and serve us, Great, grateful for Richard and Gaynor who oversee that work now and uh, we had a good time. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a time full of faith, excitement, some new things we were sharing and I'm sure that will filter down into the life of our group. So just a, a comment and an expression of my thanks to our group leaders. Now the title for this morning is Church Amongst the People, the Church in an Alien Culture. I said this to someone on the way in, and they say, are we talking about Mars? I said, no, we're <laughs> The church amongst the people of the church in an alien culture. This morning, I'd like to talk about witness, outreach, evangelism. Now, there's a small percentage of the women saying, hallelujah. And the rest of us are thinking, oh, no, I came to this one. <laughs> I want to look at us on mission together. Catching hold of when Jesus said, go and make disciples. and all what that means to us. But actually, I want to make sure that we recognise that we are talking about this subject in a landscape that has completely changed. There was a quote in the Times newspaper a couple of years ago. It said this, For the vast majority of people in the UK today, the church is an alien culture, and Christianity is a foreign language. It's true, isn't it? Everything has changed. You only have to go to a wedding, actually, today, uh, and just look around in the hall and just observe when you've got unbelievers in the room how, how they are just not accustomed to the songs we sing, even when it's relaxed when we do it, uh, I guess, or uh, they're, not, they're, they're not used to being in that environment, I often say to the worship leaders I did a few weeks ago actually at one of our weddings uh, I actually said to the worship leaders don't worry that as you look out in the congregation people won't be engaging as you're normally expecting them to because they're not used to this. Uh, In fact, uh, Josh and Abby's wedding a couple of weeks ago uh, I hear your unbelieving friends loved it. It's how I love the worship just enjoy the experience but they're not used to that environment. I remember when I grew up At school, we used to, it's a long time ago, we we used to sing Christian hymns. I went to Hazeldeen, I remember having Christian prayers, Christian hymns sung. Uh, Even generations before that, uh, families would send their children to Sunday school, even if they didn't attend church. It was so much a part of the culture of the land. Yet, that's a generation ago. Or a generation or two ago. The context has changed. For the vast majority of people in the UK today, the church is an alien culture and Christianity is a foreign language. Now maybe if you're an older generation amongst us and your friends are of an older generation that may not be true for you or maybe for you if you are in this country, your family may have come from another nation or, or your, or you may have been born in another nation, another nation now living in the UK. In fact, that may not be your story. You, you actually may have a context you got, which is far more Christian. But in the UK, generally speaking, that's what we find. Our mission in the UK is now a cross-cultural mission. When we uh, send people to other nations, we uh, we equip them for this. They go into a context that they're not not used to. We plant a church in a new nation. The culture's different. Uh, it may not be Christianity may not be the predominant faith, uh, or whatever. And we we prepare them for that. We spend quite a lot of time doing that. I think we need to consider doing the same for ourselves in this land, because we are on a cross-cultural mission now. We are, and our experience of our lives is alien to those that we are called to love and to serve outside the church. We've talked a number of times as a church about rebooting Woodside, following from the pandemic and the lockdown. We felt God saying, just don't go back to what you used to do. Think about how you want to do things in a fresh way in line with what God has for us today. I think this is one of those areas. This is a moment to think, do we need to reboot the way that we are involved in mission, evangelism, witness, outreach together. Now this challenge is not new, praise God. Uh, the church uh, in history has all, always been involved in this cross-cultural mission. In fact if we go to back to the New Testament we see that this was the church's experience then and we've been looking at the church in Antioch haven't we on our vision series and we've seen that church as a wonderful example and challenge to us on what we would love to be. But let's look at how they were involved in mission and how they caught hold of something fresh that hadn't been seen before, which was a cross-cultural mission. In uh, verse 19 of Acts 11, it says this. Now, those who have been scattered by the persecution, that's the persecution that broke out in Jerusalem, and the Christians fled and decided to establish themselves in different towns and cities. One of them was a place called Antioch. But they began to share their faith with others. Read this Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. So originally it was amongst people who were like them, who had a similar background, similar heritage to them. Some of them, however, men from Cyrus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Hallelujah. We see in the church in Antioch that yes, they reached out to people like them. But then they began to share with Greeks. People who had a different story, different background. Completely different background. And they saw great cross-cultural missional success. Let me just pray for us as we get into this together. Jesus, we thank you that you've reminded us as we've worshipped that you're God who wants to bring peace into our lives. We thank you that we've been reminded that even when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it, you are on the move. Lord, I pray for us as we look at this subject, as as part of our vision series, if you like. I pray that you would instruct us. Lord, we so long to see our friends, our family, our work colleagues, our neighbours, those close to us, come to discover that you are the answer. I thank you, Lord, that we have examples in scripture of churches that have, have done this before. And I pray you would speak to us as we look at some of the principles in your word of how we bring your light, your goodness, your peace to others. I pray would you instruct us today. Lord, will you help us to not just do things how we used to do them, but recognize that today is a different day, but see it with great encouragement and great excitement that you're indeed on the move, even if we don't see it. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I've got, I've got eight points. Do you remember the good old de- days of three point sermons? <laughs> Eight, that's like, that's eight, isn't it? Right, eight, okay. So some of them are shorter than others. These are, I think, principles for cross-cultural mission to help us in how we share our faith, but also how it helps us and encourages us that we can all be involved. The first one is this. The gospel moves through existing relationships. I don't know about you, but I think I've done every possible way of sharing my faith. I I feel like I've tried everything. Uh, Many years ago, we hired a bus in the town, and we went down Pigeon Square, if you know Pigeon Square. And we we hired a bus, uh, and we shared our faith to passers-by. I've tried that. I've walked the streets of Bedford sharing my faith. I've tried that. Uh, I've shared my faith at work and seen Some fruit in that. I've shared my faith with with friends, and I've seen some fruit. I feel like I've shared. I feel like I've tried it all. Maybe I've got to a particular age where where you've I've just had a go at a lot of things. But every time when I think of this subject, and every time when I look at Scripture, I realise actually the gospel moves through existing relationships. Let me give you some examples from the Word of God. Uh, Do you know the story of the um, the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus? at a well and Jesus encounters her she encounters him he then speaks amazing revelation into her life of things that that he knows of her life about the decisions she's made she's absolutely uh, spellbound by him overwhelmed by this encounter and as a result comes to faith she then goes back to her village and we're told that many other Samaritans believe because of the story that that woman told. You see an example in scripture of the gospel moving through existing relationships. If I was to do a quick survey here, I think all of us, barring maybe a few, would say, well, actually, that person was involved in my life. That friend, that family member, that work colleague. When we look at our own stories, we discover that actually that's our story too. The key thing is, is, are we cooperating with the way that the gospel tends to work through existing relationships or are we thinking that, that evangelism is going down the streets or hiring a bus or doing something else now I'm not I don't want to be negative about those things but I don't think it's the primary way that scripture encourages us to share our faith. Let me give you another example which we put on the screens. There's a guy in our Bibles called Matthew. He wrote one of the Gospels. He's also called Levi. I never really understand this, but in that day, sometimes people have more than one name. And this is a story about Matthew or Levi and how he came to faith and what he did as a result of that. Uh, in uh, Luke 5, verse 29, it says this Then Levi or Matthew held a great Banquet for Jesus at his house. and a large crowd of tax collectors, uh, just to say tax collectors uh, don't think of our inland revenue, uh, uh, th- that they were people that used to cheat people out of money. They were crooks, they were despised, uh, and they were not very nice people. And Levi or Matthew was one of these people. So Le- but Levi had just come to faith, just encountered Jesus. So what did he do? He held a great banquet. For Jesus and at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, here we have Levi encountering Jesus, coming to faith, and his instinct is, I want to gather all my friends together with Jesus and the other disciples, and I want to see what God's going to do in the life of those people. And what does he do? He organises a party. Now, my message for you today is we need more parties in Woodside Church. Did you expect to hear that this morning? (laughs) Now we've just had Hudson talking about prayer and worship, and they're important. And in fact, but interestingly, the Pharisees criticised—if you read on, we haven't got time—criticised Jesus and the disciples. Why did they they criticise them for eating and drinking too much with sinners, and then said that they should be praying and fasting instead? But I'm saying to you that I think we need more parties. In such more context where you and maybe me and other people that know Jesus can connect with those that don't know Jesus, and we have this wonderful dynamic where we allow God to work amongst our friends because the gospel moves through existing relationships. And this is something that we should do together. We tend to think so individualistic, even particularly about uh, mission and evangelism. We think of my friend that I'm trying to reach. Actually, we're to be reaching our friends and serving and loving our friends together. It's not what you do, it's what we do. do. We've uh, got some good friends. I won't mention names because I don't want don't to don't be unfair. But this, we've got some good friends uh, in the church. You may be surprised at that. Uh, but we've got some good friends in the church and, and we meet sociably with them. And a few years ago, we were introduced to, to some, another couple who don't come to the church, uh, who, who are friends of these guys. Uh, and I think it was at a Christmas party. And we really connect with this other couple. And, and we, we met sociably. And we've met numbers of times in different situations. And slowly... This other couple have began to open up and ask more questions about. Uh, I mean, it's easy with me. It's like, "What job do you do?" Oh, okay. You know, so the subject comes out quite quickly. Sometimes I don't want to get into what job I do because I want them to know that I'm a real person too. You know, I'm not. You know, I, I'm okay. You know, you know. Sometimes you mention you're a pastor, and sometimes there's a deathly hush. People don't know where to go with that. Uh, but we've been building a friendship with this this couple. And this couple have just asked, they want, to, they want to find out more about the Bible, understand more about Christ. And we're going to be meeting up with them as, as a six or maybe a seven. There's someone else who's interested. Uh, but you can see that this has taken time. This is a friendship. We, we love these guys. They're great fun. They're, they're, they're great to be with. But it started with a party. We need more parties. Now, it may not be a party. It might be coffee. It might be meeting, going for a walk. It might be coming around to watch the telly together. You understand, it doesn't matter. But we've got to find ways that our lives are sharing with others who don't know Christ. Secondly, connected to that, we need to have genuine relationships with those who are not following God. It's part of what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, everything. And then he said, love your neighbours as you love yourself. So part of being a Christian is loving those who are far from God. Neighbours just means anybody and everybody who is close to you. And it may be your neighbours. Don and I have, have spent lots of time recently with our neighbours. We have great fun together. We never talk about Christianity. I hope one day God's going to open that door. But I love them anyway. We're supposed to love our neighbours Anyway, It's not like we're, we, we have a, an ulterior motive. We're supposed to love the world anyway. That's what we're called to do. We need genuine, to have genuine relationship with those who are not following God. For some of us, that means we've got to create time in our diaries. And you might say, oh, there's so many church meetings that I have to go to. Well, don't go to so many church meetings. <laughs> Parties. <laughs> and don't attend church meetings. Is that what you've said? If that's what I've said. Isn't Christianity supposed to be our whole lives? Yes. Romans 12 it says that worship is our life. Not singing songs. It's the way we honor God in our lives. It's how we are, how we love our neighbors, how we invest in our friends. How we give time to that. Now, You don't just, just do that. <laughs> that would not be the outcome I'm looking for. If next Sunday I turn up and nobody's here, then, then I got it wrong. But you understand what I'm saying? We're the light of the world. We've got to be in the world to be the light of the world. Number three, the kingdom. Oh, I put Always. I want to soften it. (laughs) The kingdom often, (laughs) the kingdom always or often flows towards brokenness and lostness. I've got challenged by this. It's actually a quote by a guy called David Bruderick, who I did an online training course during the lockdown. And one of the advantages of lockdown, it gave one more time to do different things. He's a Christian in South Africa. And uh, he said this phrase, I thought, I've never heard anyone put it quite like that. But then he quoted Luke 4, which was referenced in our worship time, which says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus talking about himself, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Brokenness. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, brokenness, to recover sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free. The kingdom flows towards brokenness, and lostness. And I'm thinking, is that is that true? I know it's you know it's there, but is it true? I think. Well, Jesus also said that it's hard for a rich man. To enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say it was impossible. But he was saying actually someone who has a lot. Who is rich. And that could be financial, It could be, could be all sorts of ways. It's hard for them to enter the kingdom of God. Because they have so much blessing that is, is uh, in their lives. That it makes it hard. We know that probably with some of the people we know. But broken, when you're lost and you're broken, you know you need something. And you just look you just talk to people. They they know they know the Western world doesn't have all the answers. We've learned that over the last couple of years. But that's happening around us. But often they don't know where their healing comes from. They don't know the answer to their questions. But if only they were in a context when they were connecting. With believers who know Jesus. The peace that we celebrated is the peace that they're looking for. So the kingdom always or often flows towards brokenness and lostness. Number four. How are we doing? Okay. We're halfway through. Number four. God. Okay. Is it up there already? Okay. Beat me to it. Okay. I was going to preempt this by saying you've heard this so many times if you've been around church. Okay. So you have to work through that, which I've had to. God has prepared a harvest. That's using words that Jesus described. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And one of the famous speeches that he gave. uh, But if you've been a Christian for many years, you're probably thinking, yeah, I've heard that so many times before. But I do believe it's true. But I believe we have to learn where the harvest is. And we need to know how to look. And identify where the harvest is. Because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The work is a few. Then he sent 72 people in twos. And he said go and find something. Find a person of peace. We'll come to that in a moment. What that means. But he actually was saying go and find where the harvest is. It isn't everywhere. We need to find the people that God is working in right now. We need to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in their lives. It's not like a a general, the harvest is plentiful, great. No, no, no. Jesus says, then go and find a particular person. So the harvest is there, but it's not everywhere. You need to learn, I believe, to find the harvest. A few months ago, there was a, a report that was released from the Evangelical Alliance, from Alpha, if you're familiar with Alpha, from Hope Together, Louis Palauer Association and Kingsgate Community Church. It was a report on, on how Christianity is viewed by people in the UK. A broad spectrum of people were, were interviewed and surveyed. And these are some of the things that was found out this year. It's called the Talking Jesus Report. This is available online if you want to search. It's 40 pages long. It's incredibly detailed. These are some of the things that are very encouraging that was found out, how people are thinking This year. Some encouraging findings. If we can pop those up. Oh. That's small isn't it? Okay. Now I read it to you. 45% of the UK population. According to this survey. Believe in the resurrection. Wow. Wow. 20% of the UK population believe that Jesus. Is God. You might be thinking. How come it's only 20 and not 45. It's probably because they don't. Understand that Jesus is was God. It's probably that nuance, I guess. Next point: only six percent, though, of UK adults are practicing Christians. So you've got this great group of people, according to this survey, that have a understanding slash belief in resurrection in Jesus, but only six percent of UK adults are practicing Christians. Other fascinating details from this survey was this. Many non-Christians, this is not such good news, many non-Christians perceive the church as hypocritical and narrow-minded. Boo. <laughs> I know, that didn't bless me, as I'm sure you can imagine. But listen to the next line. Yet many perceive their Christian friends as caring and friendly. You see, church isn't the answer. You're the answer. Because it's genuine. When people think church, they think institution. They think organisation. But we know church is you guys and me. And we've got to help people to realise that this, you are church, this is church. I think there's great hope in some of these stats. And the last one was this. One in three non-Christians, after conversation with a Christian, want to know more about Jesus Christ. Amazing amazing number five I'll go through this quickly number five we are to find a person of peace this is someone who is open to you so I would encourage you to have lots of friends who don't know Jesus please that's that's having a full-rounded life Uh, I have to fight for that surprise surprise I have a lot of people around me that are Christians I love you I do but I really want other friends as well uh, you do not know, you know and and they will say things and do things that, that that don't don't go well with my values but we're supposed to be having parties with people who are far from God yeah and I don't want to be in a situation where I'm praying and fasting but I'm not having parties with unbelievers we've got it wrong if that's how we think Jesus is instructing us but we are to find someone who's a person of peace. Now, it's quite simple. Isn't it? We overcomplicate it. A person of peace is someone who is open to you in a way that is more than just a, f- a friend. It might be a close friend. It's someone who you connect with on a deeper level. It's someone who may open up to you about things going on in their lives. It may be about interest in Jesus, but often it's not. Often it's like they just see something in you that makes them want to open up their lives to you. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, I, I had this so much when I was in business. I used, I used to find myself in all sorts of conversations, which in the end led to me praying for a number of my friends at work. But it didn't start that way. They just said, there's something different about you, Martin. Really? And it wasn't because I supported Crystal Palace. And It was, it was more than that. They're, I mean, we carry the Spirit of God with us. We should expect something different about us. That's what happens. There's there's something going on. And so people open up. They will open up to you if you spend time with them. If you love them in a way that they're not used to being loved. If you're different, you'll find that that that's happening. I I love the fact, we had a wedding couple. I did mention this a little while ago. But Josh uh, is a great young man of God. Abby's great as well. Young woman of God. Josh has got so many friends who, uh, and, and they came to the wedding, it was good, they loved the wedding. They said the service was the best bit. You said it was amazing. Um, but, the, you know, they don't know God yet, but they know Josh. And Josh loves those men, loves those guys. Uh, and I, I just, you know, they can see something different in Josh. You just listen to them talk. But it's the same for you guys, it's the same for me. There's something about who we are and we look for those that are opening up to us a person of peace and then jesus says when you find that person you stay with them what he means is that you stay with them that's very complicated i realize but but it means you spend time and you think okay god's working that person's life jesus is saying spend more time with that person don't don't, you know it, it, it takes takes priorities it takes effort it takes all those sorts of things But God is saying, I'm working in that person's life. Would you stay there? Just spend more time with them. And my experience has been people then open up more. And you'll get an opportunity to share more about your faith. But it's not like the Bible says. It's more about, let me just tell you what what God's doing in my life. So we're to find a particular person. I could talk more on this, I can tell. Um, Number six, just skip that that bit. Oh, no, what was it? Oh, it's just quite good. Actually, put that quote up. (laughs) I made myself laugh when I wrote this, because I'm quoting myself. Look. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but, but I've said this statement so many times. I don't know if I originated it or I've nicked it from someone else. I've probably pinched it from someone else, but it made me smile when I put it out there. So, People, but I do believe this thing. people need to experience truth before they consider it or even believe it. Do you know what I mean by that? They need to see that it's true for you. They need to look at your life and my life and think, "Wow, when you go through struggle, you seem to cope in a way that I don't cope." Or, or when you're, you're you know we're in a cost of what are we in um, cost of living crisis? Thank you. Uh, you think about actually, you seem to be someone who's not lacking hope. Or, or they look at our lives and think, "Is it true for you?" If they see that it's true for you, then they're thinking, wow, I'm experiencing truth. Now I'm going to consider it. It's got to be a lie for us. And if we create these parties and we create these contexts where friendships are uh, um, mingling together, we create an environment where people can see the work of God. People need to experience that before they consider it. Particularly now our culture has moved so far away from, from an understanding of Christianity. So they need to see it. And then we can explain it number six for people are looking for community I and mean, we know that don't we people are looking for community they're looking to belong and this is a place we believe in to be a church where people can belong believe and become all that christ has called them to be we're a place where anyone can belong whatever their stories whatever their values are that's irrelevant Jesus loved people exactly where they were. And then they went on a journey of faith and transformation. That's what we're looking to do. Number seven, we want to find a person. Yes, a person of peace. But we stay with them, not just because of that person, but behind that one person are other peoples that Jesus wants to meet. Because if we believe that the gospel moves through existing relationships, if if there's one person that gets saved, behind that person is a whole line of other people that Jesus is wanting to meet. And number eight. The workers are in the harvest. Jesus said pray for workers. And he sent the 72 in Luke 10. But actually what he discovered. is they, As they found people of peace. Those people became the new evangelists. The new people to reach a whole group of others. So the workers are also in the harvest. To bring it to a conclusion. We need to have time in our lives, to make new friendships and deeper friendships. Number two, we need to organise more parties. We need to bring our friendships together. If you hold a party, look to invite, or a coffee, or whatever, look to invite a Christian friend and some of your non-Christian friends. Just allow those friendships to grow. Dawn and I use this phrase, we want to make your friends my friends. That's what's happened in the story that I described. We're now going to meet as a group. It's basically a new community group. And we're going to look at the Bible together. That's what they would like to do. Great. And it's going to be a small, just six or seven of us. But what would their friends have become our friends? It's taken years. But it's not like we did it in order for that. We we like them anyway, do you know? Next, we need to ask, who's open to you? What's God doing in the lives of those around us? And... When God leads us, be bold to share our lives and share the gospel. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand, shall we? That teach me to try and get eight points in. You've been very patient. Let's pray and then we're going our way. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are our friend. Lord, uh, you were described as a friend of sinners. Lord I thank you that you made me your friend. You made us your friends. Lord thank you that you looked at us and loved us. Although our lives were all over the place and Lord we're not the finished article at all. We're still learning, we're still growing in you. But we pray you would help us to be like you, to have many friends who are far from you, to love them, to love them, to spend time with them, To introduce them to our our other Christian friends and just watch you work. Lord, help us to have supernatural eyesight to see your hand at work when people are opening up to us, becoming a person of peace, if you like. Lord, we thank you that you are our peace. And so, what they see in us is you. They may not articulate it like that, but that's what's going on. And we pray that we would see many friends and family and, and neighbors and colleagues come to faith. Uh, Lord, we believe a harvest is out there. Help us to find it and partner with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.